David's Daily Digital Dollop. I can't even remember if it's 234, 235. I am massively tired today. It's been a very busy day. We have uh, been doing a lot at the Fork East Festival. We've done a podcast today with uh, Ohulian Tido and John Spires and Sam Kelly. And uh, that went very well. Someone said, who'd presumably never seen the young'uns before, someone uh, has told us that uh, their friend, who'd obviously never seen us before, said, oh, I'll tell you who I saw earlier today. I saw the young First time I've seen them, he said, she says, hey, there's a lot of them, isn't there? And she was like, no, there's only three of them. I said, oh, no, there was loads of them. There was like seven or eight of them on stage. And they do a lot of talking, don't they? And Because, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a proper a proper gig. We only did like three or four songs. You know, it was an hour and the, the idea was it was going to be chat. And we played, we played a game of Jenga, for goodness sakes. And goodness knows what this woman thought it was. She thought she was seeing the young and She thought there was eight of us. And we thought that we normally on stage play a game of Jenga. We, we did Herbal Tea of the week i don't know what this woman was thinking and then she said i thought they were really good very different very different gig <laughs> and she said but i'm not sure what was going on with the, the lad who was leading it i.e me she said um here for some reason he was putting on this fake northeast accent and <laughs> I have no idea what on earth she thought. But she obviously thought that Belinda and Heidi or Julian Tito were part of the group, as well as John Spires and Sam Kelly. But if it was a gig, why on earth, firstly, would we take it in turns to perform? I mean, that's a bit weird. And secondly, why would we, as I say, play a game of Jenga and drink herbal tea on stage? Uh, and the third thing is, why on earth would I... I was asking questions like Belinda and Heidi. I was, I was asking questions like, so when you write the songs that you sing, you know, how do you do it? Do you write it together? If we were in a band, surely I would know this. And not only that, I wouldn't ask my... While I'm on stage at a gig, I wouldn't start quizzing my fellow bandmates about how they write their songs, would I? I mean, she seemed to enjoy it, but she thought it was the most weird gig that she'd ever seen. But that went well anyway. So you'll be able to hear that. And as well as that, you'll be able to hear the young'uns in the mix, which I'm pleased to say went well. Very well as uh, as well. A lot of wells. Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. Overwhelmed with wells there. Interesting how a word like overwhelmed and underwhelmed you say that you are overwhelmed by something or you would say that you are underwhelmed by something but you would never say that you are whelmed by something the word whelmed like what does the word whelm mean because if you're overwhelmed that suggests or you're underwhelmed that suggests that whelm is a middle ground but no one says yeah yeah it was, it was good it was good i was i was whelmed which means, you know, it was, yeah, it was good, it was all right. It wasn't, underwhelmed would be disappointing, overwhelmed would be absolutely brilliant. You'd say, yeah, I was whelmed, suitably whelmed. But no one says whelmed in that context. Is, it, is there even such a word as whelmed? Feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to, of course, interact with any of these topics. I know what you might be thinking, why am I putting on a fake Northeast accent? David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 234. This is my first horizontal dollop. The reason for which is because I am in bed. It's also the first dollop. Who would have thought we've spent... There are a few of you who have listened to every single dollop. You've joined me for 233 days. This is the 234th day in a row that you have been in my company. And I think over that time we've got close. There's a sudden intimacy. But it's the first time that we've ever been in bed together. And that is where we are right now. I am rather tired but I knew I needed to get this dollop done today. So I'm writing this lying down. Hopefully I don't fall asleep before it finishes. That's the most inspiring start to a dollop. I mean, I'm sort of not too worried because I'm really not sort of yawned just du during the dollop there. 
Um, my voice is sounding quite slow. I'm not sounding as if I'm really committed to the dollop. I, I get that. And then part of me might be worried that you might switch off. You might think, oh, you've got to have respect for your listeners. You know, you can't be yawning and but. There's no way you're going to switch off because of the allure of the fact that you're in bed with me right now. I think it doesn't matter what we do. In fact, the the yawning, if anything, I think adds to the atmosphere. Maybe you should get into bed as well. And maybe uh, what I should do as well, because I know a lot of people would like to be in bed with me, and I, I understand that. And I am thinking of having a David's Daily Digital Dollop party, and inevitably, I'm sure there will be David's Daily Digital Dollop women who are lucky that night, but I couldn't possibly get through every single one. So this, in some ways, is the only way that it's going to happen, and what I'm thinking of doing to make the experience even more vivid for people. Maybe I'll start having a merchandise section on the website and producing David Eagle teddies so that people can listen to this dollop and also bring their David Eagle teddy to bed. And I might do more in bed with David Eagle dollops so that people can lie with me and um, cuddle their teddy, their David Eagle teddy. Maybe I could have like a little thing in the teddy that you could press. So when you press my stomach, I say various David's Daily Digital dollop related catchphrases. So Maybe I would say, for instance, i just make a little comment about the kettle. I don't know. If anybody has any ideas about what you'd like the David Eagle Teddy to say, then uh, let us know. And so my merchandise team, my marketing team, will be only too happy to uh, take your suggestions about what you'd like the David's Daily Digital Dollop Telly Teddy. Sorry, Teddy to do. I mean, David's Daily Digital Dollop Telly would also be quite interesting. A, a, a television that only plays David's Daily Digital Dollops on repeat. But if you have any ideas of what David's Daily Digital Dollop Teddy should do, or say, I say do, my goodness, I mean, that's whole new. We could clearly call them dolls. I think it would be better than Teddy because it's more alliterated. So you've got the David's Daily Digital Doll. If anybody has any ideas for that, then let me know and I will, I'll set the marketing people on that task. And then, of course, my design and construction people will uh, start getting it ready and it should be ready in, in time for Christmas I think so the ideal Christmas present there I think you could call it the David's Daily Digital Doll and every day it's uploaded with a new soundbite because it's attached to the internet it's, I mean everything's attached to the internet nowadays if my kettle at home can be attached to the internet then why can't the David's Daily Digital Doll I see no reason why not so it'll be attached to the internet and uploaded daily with a new soundbite. And people will be, won't be able to contain their excitement to go to bed because they'll want to know what the David's Daily Digital Doll is going to say to them tonight. Anyway, forecast went really well, but there was a sartorial issue. And that's another thought, actually. The David's Daily Digital Doll, what will it wear? I mean, I suppose I could have a change of outfits and that's quite good for the marketing thing as well. You'd be able to, I'd be able to get more money from it. People would want to buy the different outfits that become sought after. People would go, well, I've, I've got the David's Daily Digital Doll jeans and t-shirt combo, but I haven't got the David's Daily Digital Doll extreme sports outfit. So there are so many marketing opportunities for the David's Daily Digital Doll. Yes, but the sartorial issue was the fact I was a bit worried about the fact that I might not pack everything up, as I said a few days ago. So I methodically checked everything that I'd packed up, made sure I got all the wires and plugs in. And I got to Fork Easton and I thought, brilliant, I've I checked everything, I checked it through to make sure, and I was like, I've remembered absolutely everything. Job well done. 
And then I realised that I'd forgotten to pack any boxer shorts or socks. So I did the natural thing, because there weren't any shops around. It's in a quite a remote area. It's not. There's no shops around for a few miles. So I did the most obvious thing that I could think of. And I called upon Jungen's fan base. And I put something on Twitter and Facebook saying that I'd forgotten my boxer shorts and socks. And this is a call to arms for people to bring me boxer shorts and socks to the Four Keys Festival. Obviously, I was expecting people who were at the Four Keys Festival or were going to the Four Keys Festival to do this i wasn't expecting people to drive for miles a part of me thought this could be this could work really well because i might not need to buy boxer shorts and socks ever again so i'd end up with hundreds of boxer shorts and socks i'd end up with a lifetime supply of boxer shorts and socks i mean i understand that as prince george says in blackadder very sagely says why is it that no matter how many pairs of socks a man buys he never seems to have enough Socks are like sex. Tons of it about, but I never seem to get any. And he is right. Socks do seem to elude. And I think every single wash, some socks will disappear. So I thought this could be an excellent way of replenishing my socks and boxer shorts. But I was surprised and shocked. I mean, it got lots of likes on Facebook. Lots of comments on Facebook and Twitter. But I was shocked and saddened that no one brought me any boxer shorts or socks. It's not as if people didn't see the comment or anything. People came up to me at Four Keys going, Has anyone brought you any boxer shorts and socks yet? Ha <laughs> that was funny, putting that on Twitter. And I said, no, they haven't. Not a single person has. And they were saying, oh, I was going to, I would have done so, but I thought that somebody else would have done it. And that's the problem. Everybody thought that someone else would act, and it meant that nobody did. And for three days, I had to go around with the same boxer shorts and socks. David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 235. So today's dollop is twofold. I'm going to start by reading out some of your comments and responding to them, and then I have a musical treat for you, ladies and gentlemen. It was an accident that I got into folk music. If you've read any interviews from us or heard any interviews or anything like that, then you'll you'll be aware that we got into folk music completely by accident, stumbled across our local folk club simply because it was in a pub in Stockton that would serve us at the age of 17, and we managed to get away with it, and then there happened to be a folk club on, and it all just stemmed from there. So it was an accident that I got into folk music. And have you listened to my earlier musical offerings? I could have gone in a very different direction. I'm back at Hartlepool at the moment. Thought I'd come and see my dad. And I've been going through lots of the cassettes, the old tape cassettes. I used to record everything when I was a child. Things have changed now. I don't, you know, I'm not so egotistical now as to record everything. Um, I imagine recording, you know, sort of on a daily basis. I mean, that would just be the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, I used to record so many cassettes of myself just talking and singing songs. Later on, my friends, you were going to hear a song called Daniel Wet Himself Today. So you're going to hear that and another couple of songs as well. But first, that I recorded at the age of nine. Try to contain your excitement a little bit longer. We'll get to that in the next two minutes or so. But I thought I would quickly go through some of your comments. Hannah comments to say the issue of whelmed, I mentioned in the dollop a few days ago, that you have overwhelmed and you have underwhelmed, but nobody ever says they're whelmed. Apparently that is discussed in the film 10 Things I Hate About You, which I've not seen, so I wasn't aware of that. But obviously, I assumed that it was a thought that other people would have had as well. I didn't think that I was breaking new ground with that one, but I was just interested to know people's thoughts on that. Does anyone ever use the word whelm? I'm whelmed, just to suggest things are, well, they're all right, I suppose. Whelmed, yeah. A neutral stance on something. Yeah, it's pretty whelming. And I asked if there's any other examples of words like that, and people have come up with their own examples. It's the return of Michael Wackington, dollop regular. I think we can safely say now, dollop regular Michael Wackington. I have always thought Luke, as in lukewarm. 
Yeah, that's exactly correct. You'd never use the word Luke in any other context, do you? It's always lukewarm. You know, to mean it's, what, averagely warm? It's sort of. Luke there means sort of, does it not? What is the definition of Luke? Lukewarm is the only time you ever say. You don't say Luke dry or it's a bit Luke wet, that. But why not? If Luke means sort of, which I'm assuming it does. Can anyone shed any light on that? Where does that come from, Luke? And I wonder if there's anybody who's called lukewarm. Is, is warm a name? Like Mr. Warm, is there a Mr. Warm? Is there a lukewarm in existence? So there you go, if anyone knows of a lukewarm, let me know. I was also wondering, what about a Lee Don? Is there a Lee Don anywhere? There must be, there's, Don is a name, isn't it, Mr. Don? So there must be a Lee Don somewhere, which of course sounds like Lee Don. Lee Don, there's probably a Lee Der as well, isn't there? Because Der, Der is a name, like Builder is Builder. Yeah, there's a, there's a producer, a radio producer called Bill Dare, which is like Builder. There must be a Builder called Builder. Luke, very good suggestion there, Michael. I thought you said he was called Luke. <laughs> uh, fun with words, everybody. That's <laughs> what we're having right now. Fun with words. He also says his favourite one example of this is desiccated. And at first I wasn't sure what he was on about. What do you mean desiccate? But then, yeah, he's right. You only say desiccate when it comes to coconuts. And you might use it in other recipes, but I've never, I've never seen, for instance, even any other nuts mentioned, desiccated almonds. You might get desiccated almonds, but it always seems to be desiccated coconut, doesn't it? Where's the other things that you desiccate? When do you desiccate anything else? I've never read a book with the word desiccated in, like, uh, if desiccated means, what, flaked? How would you describe desiccated? Like, flaked. So you'd say, my hopes desiccated. My hopes were desiccated by her response. Something like that. Could you use that in that context, for instance? Examples of the word desiccated or desiccate or, or even desiccation, if that is a word, would be greatly appreciated, people. We have a comment from a Mrs. Bonnet. I am often noted for being gormless, but no one ever says that anybody has gorm. So you're gormless, but what this, that gormless suggests lack of gorm. But no one says, oh yes, you are full of gorm. Absolutely brilliant, you're really very acerbic, Top of your game, full of gorm. I think we're getting quite educational here. If ever Melvin Bragg is, can't make his show on BBC Radio 4, I will happily take over. So thank you very much, Michael and Mrs. Bonnet, for your comments. Anybody else, feel free. I'm going to play three songs now from me at the age of nine. These are songs that I found on an old cassette in the garage. I'm going through all the cassettes and digitising them for the, for the, for the David Eagle archive. <laughs> for the museum, just helping them out, you know. When I die, there's obviously going to be a museum dedicated to me. So I'm just doing all the digitising now for them before the tapes get damaged. Because I'm going to be recognised as a genius posthumously. I have said that before. So I just thought it would be a massive shame if they, rec they recognise me as a genius posthumously. And they think, oh, there's all these old tapes in the garage. We better digitise them. Only to realise that they've all decayed and they can't play them anymore. And they will be ruining the day. The curator, he will probably jump off a cliff or something and therefore his family will be without a father. I am stopping that from happening. I'm saving lives by digitising these tips. I'm stopping the needless death of a curator and a museum team. So, so it's quite a noble thing that I'm doing. Today's cassette was full of songs that I recorded. I was going to say wrote, but I think when you listen to them, it's clear that I didn't write them. I, think, <laughs> I don't think there was any real forethought that went into these songs. This is a song, and I think I actually remember the scenario that I'm talking about. It's called Daniel Wet Himself Today. And I actually do remember that. There was a lad in our street called Daniel. Yeah, you won't believe what he did. He wet himself. He did. He did. He wet himself in the middle of the street. 
And I remember it, and I remember thinking it was the most hilarious thing that Daniel went himself in the street. I went home, switched on the recorder, switched on the keyboard, and came up with this. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first time this has ever been aired. Yeah, man. This is going to be totally cool. Daniel wet himself today. Daniel wet himself today. Daniel wet himself. Daniel wet himself. Daniel wet himself today. In the middle of the street as well. In the middle of the street as well. In the middle of the street, the middle of the street, the middle of the street as well. Daniel himself today. Yeah. I couldn't leave the face of astonishment that met me. My friend, I rushed to tell my friend. Oh dear. Okay, so that's that one. This is a song about my friend's next door neighbour who I, I remember him, who was quite grouchy. We used to play football, we used to use the wall as a goal, his wall as a goal, and he got really annoyed about it and he used to come out and say, Get off my wall! And at the time I used to think, this is very unfair, we, you know, we're just trying to play and he's always shouting at us and telling us to go away and that kind of thing. I, th I got my own back on him. When you hear this song, I got you'll, you'll see what I mean. I got my own back on him, like the rappers do. You know, the rappers have been... My teachers told me I, you know, I couldn't be successful. They'll, they'll do a big rap, Eminem. You know, he loves to rap about all the people, all the haters, all the people who said, no, you can't do this. And he'll rap about it and he'll diss them. Well, this is... I mean, I was doing this... I was doing this before Eminem. I was nine. This is a recording from 1994. So I was quite ahead of my time, in a way. I suppose NWA were... They were doing their stuff, weren't they? Like, 1989... They kind of started, so I don't think I'd ever come across NWA when I was nine. I was thinking I was ten when I went through my NWA phase. So I went home and I recorded a song about the unfairness of this next door neighbour. And um, my goodness, if he'd have heard this song, it would have it would have sorted him out. Here's a song where I rail against the unjustness of my friend's next door neighbour's behaviour. Get off my wall, I say, you hairy brutes. Get off my wall, or I'll make you pay for the damage, I must say. I'm greedy, man. Be wrong. 
Excellent. And we're going to end with one final song. There isn't really a story behind this one. When you hear it, you'll understand why. Uh, there isn't a story at all. In fact, I have no idea what the words are because this was, this is, I mean, I'm pretty impressed with this. Sonically, I think is actually quite interesting. And I think it shows the fact that I used to listen to a lot of John Peel, like I would late night radio and I'd flick through all the channels and often I would find John Peel playing something like uh, the Japanese metal punk groups, crazy shouting group, Melt Banana, for instance. You know, I did listen to pop music as well, but this kind of music was also in my lexicon, I suppose. So I was able to draw upon that, I think, with this song. So it's clear what I've done is I've sped up, I've recorded something and then I've sped it up and then I've sang over the top of it. I can hear the sound of me blowing a melodica. It was a Mickey Mouse keyboard that you blew into. So it had a hole in it and then you'd blow into it and had a picture of Mickey Mouse on the back. But when you actually hear the music, it's quite punk orientated, I think. Here we go. From 1994, the age of nine, this is my final song for today, and we should be back tomorrow with Dollop 236. at my family home in Hartlepool for a few days. I spent most of today trying to keep three children entertained who are constantly asking me to look at what they're doing and pointing at things, wanting me to tell them what they are. Because I only see them a few times a year and because they are so young, they seem to forget that I can't see properly, meaning that I have to try and explain to them once again that my eyes don't work very well. This inevitably results in the next question being something like, oh, you've not got them fixed yet? I playfully berate myself for stupidly forgetting and being too lazy to get around to getting my eyes fixed and promise them that I'll make sure to write it in my diary and make some phone calls about it tomorrow. They agree that this is a sensible idea.
I start to muse to myself about whether it is right for me to be making statements like this. I'm not sure that they appreciate that it is a joke. I think they're genuinely under the impression that the next time that they see me, I'll have got my eyes fixed. I thought this little white lie would be easier and more palatable, rather than going into detail about why I can't see properly and that my sight will probably never come back. But I should have learnt my lesson after what happened a few years ago with my older niece Lucy. We'll come to that soon. But right now, my musings are being interrupted by my three nieces. I've got three other nieces. It's nieces and nephews, but I've just done a shorthand and just written nieces, but it doesn't matter. But if there's anyone fact-checking this, you're going, we haven't got three other nieces. What are you doing? There was two nephews and a niece, so I'm not sure what I was thinking there. Apologies, people. It's important to get the facts right. Always. Everything I say is factually accurate, so it's important to get that right. But my musings are being interrupted by my two nephews and one niece, who have decided to take advantage of the fact that I've not yet had my eyes fixed and have begun to play a game of how many fingers am I holding up. If I get the number right, they cheer and excitedly declare that my eyes are fixed. I tried to give them a basic lesson in probability, but this is clearly not very interesting to them and not as exciting as believing that my sight has miraculously come back. They hold up some more fingers just to be sure that my sight definitely has returned and are disappointed when I get the number wrong. Fortunately, I am gifted with being a comedy genius and so I manage to lift the mood by getting one of them to hold their fingers up to my face and then telling them that the number of fingers is 432. They whoop and giggle gleefully at my amazing joke. I imagine that you are all doing something similar right now. I am truly a comedy genius. When my oldest niece, Lucy, was little, she would also ask the same questions about my eyesight as her as-of-yet-unborn siblings. She seemed a bit down when I told her that my sight would never improve, and so, not wanting her to be upset, I told a little white lie, and said that one day they would probably make some special glasses that made me see again. I don't know why I said special glasses, but I was just a bit panicked, desperate to try something that would make her feel better about my blindness. It worked. Well, sort of. She believed me, and it did cheer her up, but it also did something else. It made her determined to help me find these special glasses. She seemed to think that perhaps the glasses were already out there in existence, and that I just hadn't been proactive enough in trying to find them. She proceeded to go around the rest of the family and removed all the glasses from the glasses-wearing people in the house, trying them on me. I would then have to guess how many fingers she was holding up and go through a variety of other tests in order to establish whether she had managed to find the correct glasses to give me back my sight. Obviously none of the small selection of glasses we tried worked, and Lucy had no choice except to forgo her optimistic endeavour. And I assumed that that was the end of it. So I didn't see that I needed to burst her bubble and tell her that I was lying and that my sight wasn't going to return because of some special glasses. She'd done all she could to help me and was now involved in a completely different activity, having been forced to abandon her mission. However, Lucy clearly hadn't forgotten our conversation. We were together a few weeks later in a shop, and I suddenly noticed that Lucy had disappeared. Before I could worry, though, she was back by my side. She put something into my hand. It was a pair of glasses. I was about to ask her where she'd got them from and what she was doing when a lady came towards me, sounding a bit cross, and asked for her glasses back. I apologised to the lady and went to hand the glasses back to her, but Lucy was indignant, upset that I wasn't even going to put these glasses on and give them a try. We're just borrowing them, Lucy protested, just for a few seconds, just to try. The woman sounded more confused than cross now. I began to explain why Lucy had stolen the glasses from her and apologised again. 
But now, the woman was as far from cross as you could get. She was beaming, or at least I imagine she was beaming. I can't be sure because it turned out these glasses also weren't the right kind of special glasses, but she certainly sounded like she was beaming. Other people in the checkout queue also made noises of delight and said things like, Oh, that's adorable. One man offered up his glasses to Lucy, suggesting that we could try them. Was he saying this just to humour Lucy, thinking that he was doing the right thing by going along with his charade? Or was he actually under the impression that his glasses might genuinely help me. I was getting rather embarrassed by all the attention that this was gaining me. I felt I had to step in and politely decline his offer, which made Lucy get all stroppy. I decided that I'd have to explain it all to Lucy. I tried to quickly explain to Lucy, all the while feeling uncomfortable about the queue of people who were also listening to this conversation, that I had made up the whole thing about the special glasses because I didn't want her to be upset about me not being able to see properly. There were no special glasses, and so she shouldn't take other people's glasses. I mean, what else could I do? I had to come clean, lest she should continue to steal glasses from people and get us into more complications. Plus, we'd never get anywhere if she stole glasses from every glasses-wearing person that she saw. You lied! She said, sounding deflated. I apologised and admitted that, yes, I had lied. I wanted to get out of this shop and away from the people in the queue who were probably thinking that I was a terrible person to play with a child's emotions like this. Fortunately, the promise of ice cream seemed to do the trick and a few minutes later, all was seemingly forgiven. I can't get the song Daniel Wet Himself Today out of my head. If you didn't listen to the dollop from a couple of days ago, then you won't have heard this epic composition by me at the age of nine. I've caught myself singing it under my breath on a number of occasions throughout the day. We've been to Whitby Folk Festival today, and at one point I was chatting to Becky Unthank, and during the conversation she received a text. We momentarily stopped talking as she checked the message. As I waited, I absent-mindedly began to sing... Daniel wet himself today, under my breath. I didn't think that she heard me, but then, a few minutes later, I heard her humming something to herself, which sounded a bit like Daniel wet himself today. It might not have been Daniel wet himself today. To be honest, I think I've got the song so firmly stuck in my head that all other songs have also started sounding like Daniel wet himself today. But if there are any songs about incontinence on the next Unthanks album, then you know what has inspired it. I was about to remark that if I travelled back in time and visited my nine-year-old self and told him that his song would still be sung by me 22 years later, then I would be massively surprised. But actually, I was the kind of child who'd probably find this perfectly understandable and would see no reason why such a song of this magnitude shouldn't stand the test of time. I might also be a bit disappointed in my future self that I was wasting the ability to time travel to visit my nine-year-old self to point out the bleeding obvious. Of course, Daniel wet himself today was still going to be sung 22 years in the future. As much as I might be a tad impressed that I had discovered time travel, but when you're the kind of kid who's got the creative genius to think up a masterpiece like Daniel wet himself today, then it's very difficult to be impressed by mere time travel. I think I'd still consider Daniel wet himself today to be my most noteworthy achievement. I've just had my first McDonald's for a long time. We stopped off at a service station which didn't really have anything else open. There are certain places that are easy to identify without the use of sight. The sandwich shop Subway, for instance, is very blind-friendly because it has a very distinct smell which pervades through the street, making it easy for blind people to locate. There are times when I've been in an unfamiliar town, feeling hungry, and then smelt the familiar smell of Subway, and I was able to literally follow my nose to get me there. Although there was one rather embarrassing embarrassing time that I smelt the smell, followed my nose, and ended up inadvertently essentially stalking a poor woman all the way home, simply because she was eating a subway. Well, that's the story that I told the police, and I'm sticking with it. The thing that helps McDonald's be identifiable to blind people is the sound that it makes. 
McDonald's is one of the only eateries that I've been in that has this particular ambient sound. There is a constant beeping. Every appliance seems to beep. When you walk into that place, from the sound alone, you know that you are either in McDonald's or the intensive care unit of a hospital. Although I suppose if you are eating in McDonald's, then chances are it won't be too long before you actually are in a hospital's intensive care unit. Perhaps McDonald's has all that beeping to help diners get used to where they're going. Maybe this is why the food is also so appallingly bad. It's to get you used to all the hospital food. Only McDonald's have had the generosity to make their food even worse, so that you'll actually stand a chance of sort of enjoying the food in the hospital. Ronald and his cronies are such lovely philanthropic souls. Throughout the entirety of our stay in McDonald's, there was a constant beeping. And not just one solitary kind of beeping, but a whole host of different beeps. Everything beeped. There's beeping when the burgers are cooked. Beeping when the chips are ready. Beeping from the tills. Beeping from the card machines. Beeping from the tray washer. Beeping from the old guy's heart monitor as his salt and fat intake goes through the roof. I'm at home now, lying in bed, writing... Obviously, I'm not... But you know that, don't you? You know how this works, don't you? This, I'm reading this back now in the future. I'm at home now, lying in bed, writing this while drifting off to sleep. My brain has seemingly absorbed all the hideous beeping for so long that I can still hear it in my head. It's driving me insane. I need to think of something else quickly in order to replace the bloody beeping. Otherwise, I'm going to go mad. Um, Daniel wet himself today. Daniel wet himself today. Ah, that's better. Good night. Daniel wet himself today. Daniel wet himself. Daniel wet. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. I, well, I wouldn't expect to see you here. I'm in the bath, but it turns out that uh, you get everywhere, don't you? My producer said, "It's David. It's uh, eleven o'clock at night. You haven't done the dollop yet." So I said, "I'm going in the bath." So my producer has clearly brought the recorder in here to do today's dollop. And I suppose I don't want the challenge to fail, so well done, producer. And I'm not sure your intentions are honourable. We don't film the dollop, remember? Put the camera away. We've never filmed any of the dollops. I'm not sure what, what he's doing there. And get out. Go on, leave, leave the room. He's left the room there, ladies and gentlemen. You might have thought, well, I didn't hear the sound of a door. I didn't hear the sound of a door opening or closing. He's very quiet, because he's a very good producer. He's absolutely incredible. He doesn't want to create any external noise. He doesn't want to interrupt the, the flow in any way. I'm not sure why, because there it would have made sense for him to have made some door noise, wouldn't it? So then you wouldn't have thought I was making all this up. Now I look like a bit of an idiot, but uh, anyway. Welcome to David's Daily Digital Dollop, Dollop 238, dolloping from a bath. I might put a bit more hot water in this bath. Bear with me. Does it bear with you in the bath? <laughs> I don't normally have a bath. It is rather extravagant. I was just about to have a shower, and then I realised I hadn't done the dollop, and I thought, well, I can't really dollop in the shower, but I can dollop in the bath. I'll have to clean the bath afterwards after all the dolloping that I've been doing in it, but uh, ah, ah, ah. Oh, I'm even funnier in the bath, aren't I, everybody? Unbelievable. <laughs> well, my comedy knows no bounds. Even when I'm relaxing in the bath, I'm still hilarious. Ah.
Anyway, I'm not really doing very good. If I was trying to do an ASMR bath time experience. We've talked about ASMR quite a lot on the dollop, so I'll do a very quick recap. Well, basically, it's the people who enjoy imagining that they're in certain situations, I suppose. You put your headphones on and you are taken into a world where maybe you are in the dentist, which I think is a bit weird. There are quite a few dentist ones. I'm not sure why. I mean, like, dentists is not really the nicest place to relax, really, is it? I, th I think there were like even like serial killer ones, like where you could be, where you could be the victim of a serial killer. I'm sure that's not something like that on YouTube. I didn't listen to it, but it's all very strange. But normally, it's nice things like having a massage or something, and you feel like you're there. So I'm sort of doing that with the bath right now, bringing you into the bath with me, and it feels as if you too are in the bath with me. Although you're probably thinking, bloody hell, I think there are some people who would be getting quite sick, I mean physically sick, at this thought. I'm sort of making myself sick, really. I don't... Yeah, it is kind of making me feel a bit bilious. Oh, bilious. He's the person who's in the bath with me. Are you all right, Billy? Yeah, you're all right. Tell me to rub your back, Billy. Oh, I'll go on then, David. Okay. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, yes. Give it a nice rub. Lower. Oh, a bit lower, David. But oh, steady on, Billy. There's people here. Oh, oh yes, well... Uh... <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I do like the fact that um, the youngins in the mix got a good write-up in The Guardian and there's quite a few people who since then have visited my website from The Guardian. Quite a lot of you. And I like the idea that maybe someone's found the write-up in The Guardian about the youngins in the mix where folk music and pop music collide that we did at Folk East Festival this weekend. And they've clicked on this and they thought, oh, David's Daily Digital Dollop, I wonder what that's going to be about. And now they've got me in the bath rubbing the back of a fictitious man. I'm not fictitious. You are fictitious, Billy. Uh, I'm not sure what they'd be thinking right now. I mean, for you regulars, you're kind of used to this kind of stuff, but if anyone's just come from The Guardian expecting a bit more erudition, they've ended up getting this. Some Daniel wet himself today that I created when I was nine is still going around my head, although... Uh, a song that always pops into my head when I'm having a bath is a song that we learnt when we were kids as part of a thing called Time and Tune, I think it was called. And it was a BBC, I think. I'm not exactly sure on this. Perhaps the Guardian listeners will uh, be able to tell us. Uh, it's good to have you on board if anyone is here through the Guardian. But <laughs> thanks for joining me in the bath. And basically teachers would stick it on because they wouldn't have a clue about music. So they'd stick it on and you would learn music through the audio tape. You would learn music through this cassette. But anyway, one of the things you had to do was sing along with the tape. And they taught us this song on the tape called Singing in the Bath. And it went... Something like, I can't remember it exactly, but it's just these two lines that keep going in, around in my head. Every time I have a bath, I would have been about eight or nine when I sung this song first at school, and we only ever heard it once. So this is like two minutes of my life, and I've managed to remember it 22 years later, and I still sing it every single bath I have. I don't have a lot of baths, but when I do, this song always comes in in my head. Singing in the bath is such a lovely thing to do. Close the bathroom door and you're a star. And that's it. I don't remember anything else. I don't know if it's a recognised song or not. So there might be more to it. I assume there was more to the song than that. But they're the only two lines that I can remember from this Time and Tune programme that we listened to in music at school when I was nine. Singing in the bath is such a lovely thing to do. Close the bathroom door and you're a star. I mean, obviously, when we sang it originally, we sang it as kids. I didn't do that whole, and you're a star. I'm really kind of giving it some there. I think that's me having adapted it over the years. Well, if anybody else is aware of that song, then uh, feel free to get in touch. It would be quite good if I could find the recording. 
I mean, it might be a proper song, but I don't think so. I think it was just a song for time and tune. But uh, the, the recordings are probably out there. Anyway, get in touch if you know the, uh, the song. Or if maybe you've got other bath time songs that you sing. Or maybe just other songs that always enter your head when you're doing a certain activity. Oh, my skin is getting very itchy. Oh, your turn to scratch my back now, Billy. All right, David. There you go. Very nice, Billy. Ah, you like that, don't you? I do, I do. It's very nice. Yes. Oh, yes. <coughs> oh, my skin is crumbling. I'm probably admitting to some, like, terrible disease or hygiene problem or something here. Oh, my skin is completely flaking, everybody. Uh, this weird smell has suddenly arisen into the air. <laughs> I do wash regularly. It's just the heat of the, this, the heat of this bath is making my skin flake. Oh, thank you very much, by the way, to Jill, I think it was who commented to say that on the subject of desiccated, where we were talking about words that are only used in one context, and coconut for desiccated. And I suggested that desiccated, what does desiccated mean? Like flaked? But you only ever use it for coconut. But apparently it doesn't mean flaked. It means having all the water taken out of it. Apparently it's a scientific word. It's used in other contexts, and it means to dry out. There was a reason I was talking about that. Oh yeah, because I was saying my skin was flaking. And I thought desiccated meant, meant flaked. I think, how's this for a merchandise idea? I think they should have Doctor Who bath time toys. And I think the obvious one would be a Dalek sponge or a Dalek pummy stone, I suppose would be better. So it's a Dalek pummy stone. So you know the pummy stones that you rub on yourself and it flakes all your skin, gets rid of the old dead skin. It's a Dalek pummy stone. And as you wipe yourself with it, it shouts, exfoliate. Exfoliate! I think that would be quite a good idea. You could have other Dalek things. You could have Dalek condoms, so that when the man is about to release the condom, senses the liquid and shouts, Ejaculate! Ejaculate! I think it's these kind of things would be really good. There's nothing that would spice up a night of passion more than a Dalek shouting ejaculate, ejaculate, in its Dalek voice. Um, anybody else got any examples? <laughs> Come on, Guardian readers! Maybe they'll, maybe the Guardian will do a write-up on this as well. <laughs> His Dalek pummy stone condom routine was absolutely amazing. Was it really just off the cuff? Is this man such a creative genius that even in his downtime in the bath, his creative juices are flowing? Yeah, I wish he'd bloody stop his creative juices flowing all over me. Sorry about that, Billy. Oh, how about this? The Doctor Who condoms. Not only does the Dalek shout ejaculate, ejaculate on the point of release, but also the condoms, when you put the condom on, it makes your penis bigger. So how about that? Because it's on the inside. So your penis is bigger on the inside than it is when you take the condom off on the outside. There's a woman there going, oh, you're not going to do much with that. You know, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but you know, because <laughs> that's what the kind of conversations people have. Uh, when they're when they're having a night of passion, as I say, you can tell I've had many. Night well, I don't have that that problem, obviously, so I've never had that conversation. But for people who aren't as well endowed as me, he's telling the lie, listeners. He's telling the lie. Be quiet, Billy. But then the man can say, "Well, actually, I've got these Tardis condoms." He puts it on, and sure enough, his manhood begins to swell. Doctor Who condoms, guaranteed to make your partner go. See what I've done there, listeners. <laughs> Doctor Who condoms. Perfect for men with premature ejaculation. As you can hurtle through time at great speeds, making it seem like your night of passion has lasted days, when in fact it's been mere seconds. That's quite a good feature, isn't it? 
So, yeah, men with premature ejaculation can alter the speed of time, obviously, because it's Doctor Who, and then your partner will think that you're absolutely incredible. How on earth have you managed to last that long? But really, you've cheated the system, thanks to the powers of time travel that the device has. I mean, it's probably going to be quite an expensive condom, I would imagine, but the thing is, it's value for money, because when the condom is used, you can use it again, because it'll regenerate, regenerate into a completely brand new condom, and you can use it as many times as you want. Well, actually, you can't. It's only got a finite number of regenerations. Um, I'm not sure what that number is, because I'm not a Doctor Who geek, but it's got a finite number of uh, regenerations. That number correlates with the amount of regenerations that the Doctor has. You could always call it Cockter Who, maybe. Was that a bit too, bit too trite, maybe? Cockter Who? Because it's good on your cock. I don't know, I'm just brainstorming. Plus, you can get a cheaper version, which doesn't have the facility of travelling through time, but it's still good for people with premature ejaculations because instead of being able to travel through time, it just has the voice of Davros constantly in your ear. <laughs> that'll, that'll put you off. You won't be able to ejaculate with that going on. The voice of Davros talking about finances, talking about stocks and shares or something like that. I mean, certain people, that might do it for certain people, but I think for the majority of people, they're safe. If you're the kind of person who gets turned on by Davros and you have premature ejaculation problems, then maybe it's worth splashing out a bit. Well, that's, that's your problem. You splash out quite a lot, don't you? Uh, but you know, you know what I mean. I know it's a serious thing. I do apologise for making light of yeah, premature ejaculation, but, uh, you know, at least you've got someone to premature ejaculate with. Think about that. There's me all by myself here, who doesn't have no problems prematurely ejaculating at all, ladies, if you're interested. Just sat here, talking to myself in a bath. This, this, David's digital dollop is clearly a cry for help, people. I mean, can you not tell? I'm, I'm in the bath, I'm talking to myself, I've imagined a fictional character called Billy, who's rubbing me back. Sorry if you got attached to that character there, you thought, oh, he's, he's fictional, you made him up, but he was so real to life. Sorry if that happened there. But this is clearly a cry for help. Oh, I think I need to shave as well. This beard's getting me annoyed. I was going to say this beard's getting on my tits, and then I realised that actually that could be misinterpreted. Ah! Well, Becky Unthanks shared yesterday's dollop. That's probably because she was in it. I very much doubt she'll be sharing this one, but I might be wrong. If you're listening, Becky, and uh, I hope you're enjoying this dollop from the bath. Ah! Is it bringing back memories? Right! Thank you for listening! Goodbye from me, David Eagle. And me, Billy. You don't exist, Billy. Oh, bloody hell. Goodbye. Right then, I think we've finished recording. Is that don't finish recording, producer? Oh, I know, David. Excellent. Fancy coming in the bath again, Billy? Oh, yes, please. Come on, in you go. We have some fun now that the recording's finished. Producer, why don't you come in as well? I know you want to. Oh, bloody hell, I thought you were never going to ask me to come on. In you come, lads. In you come. That's it. Ah. I mean, before we, we, you have definitely stopped the recording, haven't you? Because this would be embarrassing if this bit gets on there. Of course I've stopped the recording, mate. I'm a pro, mate. I'm a pro. Well, I know you're a pro, mate. As Billy's about to find out. But uh, you have definitely stopped the recording, though. That's good. This would be embarrassing, this bit. All right, then. Oh. Okay, Billy, where would you like me to put the rubber duck this time? <coughs> well, if it is recording, then they'll just think this bit's a joke anyway. They'll think that that sound was me putting on shampoo, squeezing shampoo into my hands. They'll never know what it really was. Well, that's a good point, actually.
Well, I think it's all a joke, yeah, it's good. We'll just keep going then. It did sound like you were putting shampoo on, didn't it? Yeah, it, is. it does sound like I'm putting shampoo on, doesn't it, rather than what I am doing. Fortunately, Billy, that sound just sounds like water going down the plug hole after the bath. They'll never know what it really is, so... Even if this is still recording, people won't know what's really going on right now. It's just our little secret, Billy. Are you enjoying it? Oh, I am. I am. So the Lord, they'll just think this is a joke, so I think even if it is recording, we'll be fine. What about me, David? You'll get your turn, producer. You'll get your turn. There you go. Very nice. Very nice indeed. So I think it's my turn now, lads. Okay, all right, David. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, lads. Come on. We're trying. It's not as easy as it looks. There you go, you've got it. Oh, yes. Very good, lads. Now for the big finale, Billy. Here we go. Well, I don't know about you lads, but after all that, I think I need a bath.